So it's good to see if you're a guest this morning. Thank you for being here. My name is Ryan, and I'm the lead pastor here at Crossroads Church, and it's wonderful to be together. This is one of my favorite things to do, and that is to talk with a group of folks who participated in our series that are just like you, normal, not like me, (laughs) right? So these folks are not paid to talk about God. I am. Like, I'm a professional Christian. I'm paid to follow Jesus. It's a pretty good gig. Sometimes, right, Dave? Not all the time. Not all the time, but sometimes it's a pretty good gig. So, um, but, uh, so we get to hear from normal people and just kind of talk through, like, how has this last series kind of impacted you? And before we do that, let me just give you a quick, I know this is kind of funny to think about given the series we've been in, like, just a quick synopsis of what we've done over the last eight weeks, right? Each sermon's like an hour long. My apologies. I'm glad you came back. But um, we've been in this series, Fresh Perspective. We wrapped up all the teaching time, all the teaching content last week, and we've had conversation groups going on uh, where people are getting together and exploring the themes and how they intersect with their lives. And really, the, the idea of a fresh perspective is like discovering or rediscovering a faith you can love. And that's really what this eight weeks has been about. And so week one, we said that Jesus knew the necessity of paradigm shifts, right? Jesus knew the necessity, and it didn't just stop with him, but throughout the course of Christian history, there always has to be paradigm shifts. So we talked about that. Week two, we talked about the Bible and a fresh perspective on the Bible, and we really focused in on two things. These are tough ones to hear, but a fresh perspective on the Bible is important because sometimes the Bible is wrong. All right. And we said a fresh perspective on the Bible frees us from the tyranny of those who weaponize the Bible. And so we really focused in on why that was important, that we think and we evolve in the way in which we interact with this beautiful group of texts. And week three, we said a fresh perspective on faith. And we said a fresh perspective understands faith as primarily a matter of the heart right? That it's a matter of the heart, not necessarily what we cognitively believe and assent to doctrines. Week four, we talked about God, like the the word God. And we said a fresh perspective embraces God as the life-giving, unchanging, and loving mystery revealed in Jesus that we can root ourselves in through personal experiences. Man, that's worth an amen from somebody in the room. I mean, come, oh my goodness. All right, week five right? Week five, we talked about the power of metaphors, and we said something really strange to our ears. We said that Jesus is the metaphor of God who invites us to follow Him on the narrow way of justice, mercy, inclusion, and sacrifice every day, right? And we focused in on a fresh perspective on Jesus. And then week six, we talked about the cross and sin, probably my longest sermon ever to date, so now I have something to work for. I need a PR coming up here soon. But this is what we said about the cross and sin. We said a fresh perspective on the cross and sin invites us to participate in the restoration and healing of the world through a cruciform life. And we really talked about the problematic ways in which we've thought about sin and the cross, particularly this idea of penal substitutionary atonement. So big words there, but that's kind of what we worked through. And then week seven, we started to talk about salvation. And we spent two weeks on this word salvation. And we talked about salvation from a personal experience. And we said salvation is a metaphor for the personal transformation that puts us on that path of daily dying to an old way and rising to a new way of seeing ourselves our neighbor, and our God. That's what we said, that the 
the, the personal element is. And then we talked about the communal social side last week where we said a fresh perspective on salvation begins with personal transformation and moves towards God's vision of peace on earth. And we talked about the distributive justice of God. And we said this, we said the God revealed in Jesus cares about justice because that God cares about human suffering. That's a good eight weeks. I'm tired. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're here to help us unpack all this stuff. So let's get started, and maybe we'll start. So, so all three of our, panel, uh, our panelists, they were part of our conversation groups that took place throughout these eight weeks. And so we're going to try and pretend like we're in a little conversation group that was taking place. So we'll we just kind of throw the question out there. So our first question, we'll start with you, Mark. You get us going here. But um, let's start with, tell everybody your name. Tell everybody kind of what you do in your everyday, normal, peacemaking life, right? Out of here, this isn't the important part of your week. The important part of your week is outside of this place. So what do you do there? And then maybe tell us a snippet about how you landed at Crossroads, why you came back, why you're thinking about not coming back, whatever it might be. No, but just like, when did you land here? And, and, and what's kind of your, how, maybe how long you've been around, things like that. So we'll start with you, Mark, and then jump in. Okay, my... Name is Mark Malmberg. Um, I um, am a retired small business owner, and uh, we moved here from Nebraska about three years ago. And um, the way I discovered Crossroads is we moved into the neighborhood over here, and I always thought, man, it'd be fun to have a church that you could just walk to on a Sunday morning. Um, I grew up driving by. 16 churches to get to the church that we went to. And I saw this building over here, and then um, just this year, right before Easter, we got a postcard that invited us to, to the Easter service here. So on Palm Sunday, the week before Easter, we thought, you know what, let's just, we hadn't been going to church anywhere, let's just check this out. So we walked in the door, and right away we met uh, some people, we, we, we met, uh, my sister-in-law's sister greeting, another, <laughs> another gentleman from, that grew up in northeast Nebraska. and um, They have a look, right, Nebraska people? Is it, that what it is? It, you just have a look, you know, like, it, oh, that's Nebraska right there. It's not even hard to find. <laughs> and, uh, and, it, and then uh, the, the, the message was, was just perfect for us. Um, for Palm Sunday, we came back Good Friday. We came back Easter Sunday. Good Friday was the first time I'd had communion in seven years. So, um, and then we started this fresh perspective, which was perfect for where we were at. And I can say more about that in a minute. Awesome. Well, welcome, Mark, everybody. <clears throat> it's not easy to do this. It's not easy to do this. So, like, you give them some claps with their answers, encourage them along the way. That's great. All right. Brooke, you want to go next? Yeah. So, my name is Brooke. In my everyday, normal life, I'm a manager at a senior day center. And yeah, about two years ago, I moved out here from California. My wife and I had been looking around at various churches and places and kind of trying to find a home. And uh, we weren't having very good luck. And uh, an old manager that I used to have uh, had come to Crossroads, was kind of familiar with Crossroads and recommended checking it out. So we kind of did our research and looked online and we were very skeptical, to say the least, uh, from online. And just some of the things that we had seen were like, oh, it just looks like a like kind of mega church vibe. But we'll go, we'll see how it is. And we'll never forget the first Sunday we came here, 
you guys were talking about the like five unacceptable truths, and immediately we were like, oh, okay, we're good. We're good. <laughs> so yeah, that was two years ago. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming. My okay. turn, I guess. Your turn. <clears throat> yeah, Kyle Batigi. Uh, live just a couple miles east down the road. Been married to an amazing woman for the last 12 years and have three great kids, nine, seven, and three. Uh, I work for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. I'm the Northeast Region Senior Aquatic Biologist, so I do fishery management for a living. So anglers out there, if you have a great experience, catch me afterward. I love to hear those. If you've had a terrible experience, I'll give you a phone number. You can call it in. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah, and we, you know, living just down the road, Drive-by crossroads, I mean, multiple times a week for the last six, seven years probably. And to be honest, had little desire to ever come in for a, for a service. I guess it just, again, had that look like this big mega church, and I just felt like I'd never be able to find a connected feeling to that sort of environment um, and had a lot of unfounded assumptions about what the experience uh, might be like. But we ended up coming for the first time on Super Bowl Sunday, 2023. You know, I don't know if it was the sermon, the hot dogs, or just the fact that like people were actually friendly and greeted us, and it had the feelings that feeling that people actually wanted to be here. But we got sucked in, and we've been coming ever since. It's working. <laughs> you don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to clap for that. I mean, my goodness, that's good. I love it. Okay, so let's jump right in here. Sometimes um, around here we talk about like a faith journey or wandering, and that's a real spectrum in people's experiences with God and faith community, going to church. And we sometimes use words like, like we're a space that's really built for people that feel disconnected spiritually or feel dissatisfied, something in their life happens, and just the way in which they perceive or think about God or Maybe there's just never been, like, I don't know, never thought about it, but there, all of a sudden there's a dissatisfaction. And we also talk about this word deconstructing, that, that there's a whole lot of people in spaces where certain beliefs or things that we were handed in our lives, they, we just start to, like, really go deep into those. And they, in a sense, we find cracks, right, and start to peel through. And so this idea of deconstructing, and we say we're really a space that we want to be safe for those, those kinds of emotions when it comes to faith and connection with a local church. So maybe in your own world, somebody get us started. Let's go with Kyle. Get us started on this one. Like how, how would you describe your kind of faith wandering, journeying, you know, in this past season of your life as you were kind of coming into Crossroads, you know, you talked about uh, kind of seven years driving by here. And like, so, so maybe how would you think or talk about your own like spiritual journey? What words would you describe? Yeah, I think I've experienced all of those words through this journey. But overall, for me, I grew up in a pretty fundamentalist church and attended quite regularly. Uh, and then I'd say starting maybe around 15 years ago or so, I just found myself in a space where I couldn't make sense of and couldn't believe in some of the things I'd grown up being taught about Jesus and God in the Bible, and having those unanswered questions really uh, just made me feel pretty uncomfortable. Mm. Uh, I felt like if I didn't have all the answers, if I couldn't still buy into every literal thing in the Bible, then I just wasn't a very good Christian. That led me to, you know, that kind of wrestling in my soul, I guess, led me to kind of distance myself from, from the church experience. I wouldn't say I ever 
felt like I had distanced myself from God or turned my back on God or that God had turned his or her back on me. I just, yeah, needed some separation, I guess, from the church. Then um, my wife and I started going to a different local church in Loveland for, went pretty consistently for a handful of years and just never developed that sense of connectedness I wanted to with the, the church there. I didn't feel overly spiritually satisfied or challenged by the messages on a weekly basis, so just found ourselves kind of wanting wanting more out of that experience. And, you know, since coming here, I think like we've talked about it, I'd say my space and my faith has never felt more confused or challenged probably than it, than it is right now. Um, That's going to go on the next postcard we said. Like, yeah. If you want to be confused about faith and challenged to the point of complete uncomfortability, Easter 2024, Crossroads. Uh, that's, that's where I am. But, you know, like unlike in my past, though, I would say I'm to the point where I feel comfortable embracing those questions. And this fresh perspective is really challenging my faith. And I'm okay with that because I feel, you know, where growth happens is when we're faced with adversity and challenge. And I now feel like it's okay not to have all the answers. And, you know, these past eight weeks of sermons, I've truly enjoyed all of them. Um, yeah, they're challenging me. They've certainly made me squirm in my seat out there a little bit from time to time. But there's now a sense of liberation and freedom, I'd say, in that kind of uneasiness around my faith that I'm currently in. So, thank I guess you. Thanks for making no, me thanks uncomfortable. For sharing. Yeah, <laughs> no problem. Making people uncomfortable and offending them—those are my spiritual gifts. They're not listed in the Bible, but I'm pretty confident those were handed out to me at the beginning of time. But it's all right. Does that resonate with you all? Yeah, I. Uh, we'll get into some more of that uh, later in being uh, confused. Uh, but yeah, when I first walked into Crossroads, I was incredibly discouraged. Um, and incredibly hurt, really, by the church. Uh, I think being queer as it is already has its challenges in just everyday normal life. And the moment you add in religion, faith, spirituality, it super complicates it for most people. So, yeah, when I, when I walked into Crossroads, I was very hurt. Um, some of the people who had claimed the strongest faith or had been the biggest representation of faith in Jesus to me had hurt me the most and been the most cruel. So when, yeah, when we walked in, I was, I was very doubtful um, and just kind of ready to be hurt again, I think. And yet instead we walked into an incredibly affirming community. And I think just from previous experience, I had always felt just very tolerated. Um, when I had gone into many church settings, like they weren't going to ask me to leave, but they also weren't going to ask me to sit up on stage. So uh, <laughs> funny how that works. Mm -hmm. But yeah, a lot of pain. Um, and I have a, a big background in, in church ministry. That's what I did for almost a decade was working in the church. And it was because of my sexuality that I was asked to leave that. So there was a, a lot of pain and hurt there. And it's been pretty incredible to be in a place that has been really healing to that, um, which I'll share some more, but very discouraged, very hurt, and still healing through that. I think that's gonna be a journey of a lifetime. Religious trauma is real, and it's really deep. Wow, thank you for sharing that. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Mark, how about you? How, where would you, kind of, what kind of words would you use to describe and tell a little about your journey leading into Fresh Perspective? Sure. Um, yeah, that's, that's a, a great question. Um, we, 
um, were heavily involved in a, in a church for years, um, involved in leadership and, and all, all aspects of the church. But we got to a point where um, we're trying to deal with wounds and pain and life and the simple answers that church and even the Bible were offering um, as they were, as we interpreted them, weren't working anymore. Mm -hmm. So seven years ago, we decided to quit going to church, to give us some space to figure some things out. And we literally, except for funerals and weddings, didn't go to, we were one of those Christians that didn't go to church for seven years except for that. And spent a lot of time reading Roar, different books, authors. We, we, we still were, were um, curious and seeking, but it was mostly deconstructing all these old ways of, okay, the Bible isn't working, um, our views of heaven and hell and salvation were, were confusing, and, and really deconstructing all that is, is, a, is a really good word. Um, but then we got to a point where you can only deconstruct so much and pretty soon you have nothing left. And we were at that point where, okay, now what? We, want, we knew we needed to keep wandering, keep moving, and start reconstructing. So we thought, well, church hasn't been a great experience, but that is one place where we know we miss the people and the community and, and a place where we might be able to begin reconstructing. So when we came to Crossroads, and I didn't have high expectations, but we were just blown away by how it was perfectly where we were at mm -hmm. in wanting to re-engage and reconstruct in a different way with a fresh perspective the things that we had been tearing down. Mm -hmm. So we couldn't be more, more grateful um, for what's going on here and being a part of it. And it really feels like a divine thing that, that we've ended up here. It's funny how the universe works sometimes, yeah, right? It's, you it's, just go, wait, that can't be complete coincidence. This is too good to be you true. Know, right, interesting. Now, Mark, let's stay with you. So we've, we've talked about a lot of topics, some big topics, some big words that are part of this Christian tradition. And you, know, you had said just then like, concepts of like salvation in the Bible that like weren't working for you anymore. Were there any, like, were there any topics that you found more or more challenging or more important for you at this time? Um, was there any week that was super meaningful for you? Uh, that's a difficult question because I felt like every week was like, aha, okay, this is different. This is good. Um, this is important. Um, but looking back, I think if I had to pick one, I would pick the week we talked about the Bible because growing up, you know, the, the, the Bible was literal, factual, true, and if it wasn't, then you're on a slippery slope to who knows what. And to, re, um, to have a fresh perspective on what the Bible really means as a, as a sacrament pointing to divine, it's like, oh, wow, this is so good. It gives room for a whole fresh perspective on on every part of it, but at the same time, it's very challenging because I go back and try to read the Bible and I keep falling into the old perspective. I'm trying to think of a kind way of calling it the old perspective, but I want to read it with a fresh perspective and it is so challenging mm -hmm. to 
to pick it up and read all these familiar verses and not and and struggle with seeing it in a fresh perspective. I mean, and that can, like when you when we walk through kind of paths and we look back and maybe identify something as spiritually traumatic. I think like religious trauma, like you mentioned, Brooke, like the like reading the Bible can be a triggering event, mm -hmm. and sometimes you just have to set it down. Yeah. That's fascinating. Kyle Burke, anything, any week, speak more or less to you all? Yeah, um, for me it was the, the Bible as well. I've always, always, uh, growing up in the church, uh, really valued the Bible as a sacred text. I thought it was a really beautiful book. I loved the smell of a fresh Bible uh, <laughs> and loved just reading it and um, interacting with it. But as I started to get older and as I uh, came out with my authentic self, you know, the, my relationship with the Bible also became complicated because it was an incredible tool for uh, abuse, really. Um, and all of a sudden, I started to realize that I didn't know how to read or navigate it. It became super confusing. And the truth is that I just avoided it because I felt like if I would have interacted with it, um, my fear was that what everyone was telling me would be true and that I was just like condemned to hell. And that, as you can imagine, uh, was awful. And so I really did avoid it for fear that it would just condemn me there and that everyone would be right. Um, but I still held on to uh, this belief that there was something beautiful in there. I just didn't know how to interact with it. And actually, when we first started coming here two years ago, you had done, I feel like, kind of a similar sermon on scripture. And we, my wife and I got in the car afterwards, and we were driving home, and it was just kind of quiet. And we got in the garage, and we ended up just like talking because we were just so thrown off by the idea. Um, it was so new to us that like the Bible isn't black and white. You know, you weren't up here just saying, you know, believe it, it is this way, it is a rule book for your life. It was a total opposite of that. And I feel like when the fresh perspective, um, yeah, it, it, it was really kind of disorienting again, but in a really positive and beautiful way. And I feel like that whole idea on, on the Bible has been really challenging for me, but also really healing. Mm. Um, I'm definitely still wrestling with a lot of that. <laughs> Um, I think that I probably will forever. Mm -hmm. But um, I really have let go of a lot of those unhealthy beliefs. Uh, I'm naturally a very type A individual, so it's easy for me to be like, oh, right and wrong, cool, got that. And so interacting with the Bible and recognizing that it's not that way, it's not a rule book, um, it's not always right. Uh, in fact, many times it's not right, and which sounds crazy for me to say, mm -hmm. but I really can say that... Uh, yeah, it really is a book with a lot of beautiful ideas and life lessons. Yeah. And I'm thankful for that perspective. And I think if that was shared more, I think people would probably experience a lot more freedom in their faith uh, than a lot of just shame. Yeah. Well, and I love the idea that there's things in the Bible that aren't right, right? Because to me, that makes it more trustworthy because it's a, it, it, it is a picture of the human experience with God, that we get some things right, we get some things wrong. And to me, that is a beautiful part of our faith tradition that we actually capture that and we call that sacred to get where we got it wrong, you know, and, and to be able to see through this massive period of time, our ideas of God evolving and taking shape. And even then to see within the pages of scripture, how you have Jesus who presents this really 
quite different picture of God or emphasized a way of thinking about God that was not emphasized. But then even after Jesus and the earliest followers, they kind of go back to impose unhealthy visions of God onto Jesus. And so we have it all over it. And it's, to me, that makes it something beautiful. I think we use this word um, precious. Like there's just something too precious about the Bible to just throw it away, right? If you've been raised with it, even in ways that's been harmful at times, mm-hmm. it's, there's still something beautiful that resonates with me. Carol, how about you? Yeah, I feel like what I had wrote down just echoes everything that everybody else says. I, yeah, reflecting back, kind of going through the last eight weeks, <clears throat> and pretty quickly came back to the same sermon on the Bible. And I think for me, it's just that it is that foundational document like you had spoken about. And so given the fact that was a few weeks ago, I decided last night after getting the kids to bed to go back and rewatch it, I didn't recall that I was committing myself to 57 minutes for the sermon only. It was great the second time, too. Got you right to sleep. But yeah, given kind of my past in terms of that fundamentalist and literal interpretation, just deconstructing that aspect of my faith just was really freeing. And for me, where it all truly needed to start, I feel like that deconstructing that piece opened up the door to the following sermons and some of these other conversations. And that sense of freedom that I got from that sermon was just rooted in acknowledging that, yes, I still can be a Christian and live this way and call myself that, even if I don't take everything in the Bible um, literally and take it as infallible. And taking that approach, you know, I can do that, but still not completely cast away and throw away every other aspect of the Bible. It was kind of a either-or scenario, I feel like, for me in my past. And I wasn't willing to totally cast it away, but was wrestling with making sense of a lot yeah. of the things within the Bible. So, yeah. yeah, I feel like, like Brooke was saying, there are a handful of points that really spoke to me. Um, the fact that there's contradictions in the Bible, and you said, you know, where those contradictions happen, I'm going with Jesus. That that really made a lot of sense to me. And again, just the fact that you can don't have to take the Bible literally, and you can but you can still take it seriously. seriously That's yeah. an important. You might not be able to take it seriously if you take it literally at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) That'll mess with you. You take that one home. Think think about it later. (laughs) And then, yeah, I'd say the final point for me, I think you kind of wrapped up that sermon saying, you know, with the challenge to stop reading the Bible for answers and start reading it to find Jesus. Mm. And I just feel like that is kind of what Mark is talking about with, like, trying to read it with that fresh perspective. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you. It, it, it's funny because as we were thinking about this series and like putting it all together, we actually, I felt like, and I've said this conversation with Dennis and others, like I think the biggest question in like the continued, like for Christianity to continue is to wrestle down what is the Bible? Because that seems to me to be the foundation that either forms healthy spirituality within Christendom or very unhealthy, controlling, shame-filled. It's such a fundamental question. Like, what actually is this thing, and how do we interact with it? So I find it fascinating that some of those conversations and just feeling like that's the number one question as our tradition evolves, um, and to hear all three of you say that was the, you know, so it's super. I mean, it's great, like, moving forward to know, like, when people are walking in 
that is the big question. Like, what do I do with this? So that's great. So you all participated in the conversation groups. We had uh, on Thursday night, I think the, men's group, the men did that on, on uh, Saturday morning. We had an online group. You all participated on Thursday nights. We would have, you know, of course, when we started, we had like 4,000 people come and <laughs> summer came. And so we were down to three. You know, that's why you all are here. No, we had a great group like each week, four different conversation groups going on. Um, and people just shared about their personal experiences. It wasn't like pop quiz. It wasn't like, were you paying attention? But it was really about like, how does my own story interact with these topics? What was that like for you all? Um, having to, like coming into a space, some, you know, fairly, fairly, fairly new, just starting at Easter, like football Sunday was February. Like, what was that like? Deciding to show up or participating and... Yeah, unpack that for me. Somebody want to start that one? I feel like I should start because they've started all the other ones. Okay. <laughs> I'll be a trailblazer. <laughs> um, it's actually really funny because I had, when I heard about the group, I was excited about it and walked in and felt great and sat down and started introducing myself and was like all excited. And then like the one of the first questions, it, I went the second night, I missed the first group and it was about the Bible and we started discussing that and it was just like, anxiety uh, tons of all of a sudden as you started to like actually get into the conversations um, it was truthfully really triggering for me to be back in a circle where we're talking about these real raw topics and all those feelings and parts of me just came up and was remembering what those settings used to look like you know I can reflect back on sitting at similar groups I used to lead groups like that and it was very black and white, very much like, here's a topic, let's wrestle with it with scripture, we will find the exact answer. But this group was nothing like that. You know, it was uh, very triggering, but also very healing um, to be surrounded by people who also just didn't know. Uh, that was so foreign to me. I grew up in a church that used language like, we are the remnant church of God very much like we know. And so then to be in a setting with other individuals who recognize that these conversations were confusing, they were triggering, they were healing, they were upsetting, they were anxiety producing, uh, was really surreal to me. Uh, regularly as I would leave them, I felt both exhausted and inspired to continue to interact with these topics and ideas and to, to learn from them. You know, I was, I was really reminded of the pain that religion has caused me as I sat in them. But that was honestly really beautiful to me because it was a very safe space to interact with that and find um, empathy. I was surrounded by amazing people who are, are great friends now that were very understanding and kind to my story, which felt so strange because most people uh, haven't responded that way. Um, and I also found community. I think being here for two years, that was something that my wife and I both had really been missing. We'd come to church, and then we'd leave. And we'd maybe say hi to a few people, but other than that, there was nothing that really like grabbed us here. Like We would even linger after church. And uh, <laughs> we'd look around and like, oh, all right, goodbye. And so it was pretty surreal to just have that like community and recognize that we're surrounded by people who don't know and are okay with it 
and that was just phenomenal. It still is yeah. kind of surreal to me. It was fun to watch. Like I would see, like after the third week, I would start to see people because there were about 20 or 25 people, 20, maybe 25 or so that would come at different times, and they would start to see each other at church, and you'd see them give each other hugs, and like they would know each other, and like four weeks ago, they were just complete strangers, mm -hmm. you know. And, and as you were talking, Brooke, an image came to my mind of like, um, I, pardon the weird story, but like when you talk about like the, it was a triggering moment and a healing moment, like I immediately had this thought a couple days ago, I was at the urgent care because I was having like all this weird abdominal pain. And I really wasn't having much pain when I was actually at the urgent care, but the doc comes in and like starts pushing on a spot. And I was like, yeah, that's it right there, you know? But like you had to, to kind of have that moment for the healing and the wisdom and the insight. Like, and that's such a, it's so hard to be in a space where you have to kind of walk through a path that's painful because you don't know, like, is on the other side of that healing or not. So that's, but that was, like, the image that came to mind was, like, wow. And I just was wondering, like, can, can the healing of a wound, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual, whatever word we use, can it happen without some pain there? And that's tough. And why community is important. And that response, you had that kind response, you know. It's heartbreaking to think that wasn't always the response. But, yeah. Mark, Kyle? Yeah, my... Do you mind? <laughs> say yes, Kyle. Please say yes. Say, I do mind. I'd actually like to go first. <laughs> um, my, our experience was, was similar. I mean, we would leave Sunday just like, wow, that was great. That, that we can't wait to come back next Sunday. But then we'd go to, decided to join the, the conversation groups, and we'd go and talk about the same topic. And it's like, oh, wow, I didn't really get that very well. And yet, um, talking about it as it intersected with other stories, other people's lives, it really raised more questions, good questions, and um, it, was a, it was an excellent experience, and I, I totally agree with when you're sitting in a smaller group like that and talking a little bit about your story and wrestling with a fresh perspective in these issues, you do start to connect with people in a different way than sitting beside them or even talking to them after after church, so it was it was a, a really good experience. And every every Thursday night, we came. I came home with some a, a question somebody had, um, a comment someone made, and I just would walk with that for the next several days. It's like wow, that I don't even know if it hit me then, but I kept it kept coming up, and I kept kept mm. wrestling with it. So it was a it was a really really good really yeah. good experience. Awesome, but challenging. Yeah, it's funny how people do that. Like their story, like sometimes this fresh perspective comes from a fresh story in our lives, mm -hmm. transforms us. Yeah, okay. Yeah, again, I think I'm just echoing what everybody else already said. It was just great to actually hear other people's experiences and get their perspectives on things because I think it just is yet another perspective to consider and think about. And uh, these topics have been challenging and deconstructed a lot for me, and it was just really nice to have a chance to revisit those and chat about them with other people. And yeah, I just felt like everybody was very welcoming and open and, you know, I think Brooke, you mentioned it and Ryan, you just kind of reiterated that it was, I appreciated the fact that you took the time in the beginning 
made it truly a safe and non-judgmental space. Mm. I've been involved in a number of discussions at church, and I feel like very rarely I've felt the comfort level that I did on Thursday nights to truly share what I'm wrestling with and where my struggles are, and that I could share those thoughts of my historic beliefs, what I'm struggling with right now, and people listened and were open to that and didn't mm. think like, wow, that guy has no idea what the heck he's talking about. <laughs> like, it, it really felt like a safe space, and yeah. I feel like that is kind of rare, at least in my past. Mm. Yeah. We had some guidelines that we would read every week in our groups that were particularly for us white heterosexual males to make sure that we understood our place in the conversation. Um, so, so we're going to wrap up here, and we're going to have communion together in just a moment, and communion is kind of a kind of an exclamation point, um, a remembrance of the work of God in this person of Jesus, a huge part of the Christian tradition. And I love to do it at the end of a series. It's just kind of like, hey, all that we've talked about, all the words, it does come down to this kind of simple but really profound picture of giving of ourselves for love, right? And that's what we're reminded of in doing that, that we're invited. But so as we kind of get ready to wrap up, last question what word would you use right now um, to describe your faith journey or your spiritual wanderings, as I like to say, and why that word? And it, you know, it could be two words, but like, what, what would you say you are in this space? Because I have a feeling that it's going to resonate with people. Like, I have a feeling it's, you're not the only one who has that word that would describe where you are. So, who wants to kick us off? Kyle, how about you? All right. We'll start down there. So, yeah, I think I, we've already thrown around a lot of words, so I really kind of felt myself struggling to lock in on one, and I'd think about one, and then, like, oh, that doesn't quite explain this. So, I mean, those were, like, confused, hopeful, challenged, uneasy, grateful, and I ultimately ended up landing on optimistic, and I feel I chose that word because my optimism is really twofold. I think the first one is, for me personally, and my own faith journey and experience, I just feel like I have new hope and new confidence that it's okay to not have all the answers and mm -hmm. God is going to be okay with that in the end. Um, I look forward to the daily challenge that you've provided of like waking up each day with, you know, a fresh purpose and that, you know, you need to choose that path um, for that given day and that narrow path of love. And then in addition, the second kind of fold in, of optimism I found in that just being here and experiencing this community, you know, taking part in that conversation group, we've been involved in the 30s and 40s group, just given me a truly restored optimism in Christianity as a whole mm. um, for me. Just knowing that there's other people out there who are ch choosing to lead with love, that, you know, rather than persecution, that there can be, it's okay to embrace one another for all of our differences and celebrate those differences is um, just something that's refreshing because, you know, I think that's the choice that Jesus made every time, and it's the choice that, that we should be making. So I've enjoyed that challenge um, to make that choice, and yeah, just uh, optimistic that everybody else is here and listening online, and that there's other people out there that are choosing love and acceptance in, in the end, because that's where, you know, I think, I think the world needs to go, where the world, where change is going to happen. It's Love and acceptance is what I want my kids to experience. It's what Jesus chose, and I think it's what Christianity is. Wow. Thank you. Optimistic. I love that word. 
Yeah, uh, you kind of ended with the word that came to mind for me, and that was acceptance. There's a lot of words that came to mind, many of the same ones. Uh, but I think just acceptance that faith is really messy, uh, which still sounds crazy for me to say, uh, because when I think about my faith experience five years ago, it, well, maybe six years ago, it wasn't messy. Uh, it was very, very structured, very... Um, habitual, I don't know the words to put in there, but I guess just acceptance that scripture is not black and white, faith is not black and white, uh, it's messy, and that I don't know everything, and that that's actually okay. It's a sign of, of health to me. Now when I kind of hear people that say that they know, I'm immediately like, mm, okay, good for you. Uh, and I think also too that like I'm not I'm not doing anything wrong. It's okay that I that I don't know that I'm figuring this out. And I really think I've just accepted this kind of roller coaster. Um, and I also think that word acceptance is really huge for me because for most of my life, you know, I didn't really feel acceptance from God, and I definitely did not feel acceptance from His church or His people. And it's just a beautiful thing to know that I am fully loved and fully known and accepted and celebrated. I think during Pride Month, um, that's even more beautiful to me. But yeah, Jesus loves and he accepts me. And I accept the messiness of that journey in my human experience. It's going to be messy. And um, I'm finding that there's something quite beautiful about that now. Awesome. Acceptance. That's great. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. Mark? Um, yeah, thank you. Um, my, my word, words, uh, the first one is patience, which really goes along with what these guys have shared. I, I want to get this fresh perspective figured out, and it, it just is going to be, it's going to take time, mm -hmm. and I need to be patient. I need to, I need to be kind to myself and realize that it's different, it's fresh, it's, it's gonna take time. And the other word is, goes along with it is really surrender. Um, I, I feel like I'm, I, I wanna surrender to the flow. This is a place where I think I can do that. Mm -hmm. I appreciate this, this space that we have here and I'm looking forward to just not trying to fight the river, mm. but go with the flow surrender to the flow and and trust that that uh divine we as a faith community are going um a good way and a good, to a good place that's awesome so we have optimism acceptance patience i love it can you give them a great big hand that's so good So I hope you heard a bit of your story in their story. Um, I hope that you found a connecting point, and maybe as you kind of go through this week, you could think about some of those questions, and how would you have answered them? What would have been uh, a part of your journey? So we're going to finish our uh, series with communion. Um, I'm going to invite you to stand, uh, and once you receive communion, or uh, we're going to have stations here at the front, and there'll be stations in the back. Our interpreter will be over here to my left for those of you that are part of our deaf community um, to have interpretation there. Um, and once you have received communion, will you just hold the bread in the cup? Uh, here's the deal. Uh, this is for everyone that wants to participate. doesn't matter 
where you are in your life spiritually, this is a moment where we recognize these two symbols as a part of a table that that God, the universe, whatever word you like to use, has set for all of creation to come and learn a powerful lesson that it's in our sacrifice for love that salvation happens for all of creation, that restoration happens for all of us. And so you're welcome to experience this moment as you feel comfortable. Um, and so if you choose not to have communion tonight, today, that is perfectly fine. There's nothing magical about it. It's bread and stale stale bread, stale juice, you know. Um, so, uh, it, it, and, and we want to invite everybody that we don't want you to feel like you have to be a part of this church. You have to have any kind of faith. This isn't because we're, we're that's the beauty and the power of the really real, that it exists and holds us together whether we acknowledge that or not. So, if you're comfortable, you're invited during this song to come. Grab the little cup. It is juice and grab the piece of bread. And we would just, I'd ask that everybody hold that and then we'll eat it together. Uh, it's just kind of like a moment of unity. But once you come back to your seat, go ahead and have a seat, and that'll let everybody know that you've been served. All right, if you're at a table, obviously you have it there. Um, if you're sitting at any of the smaller tables in the back, I believe they're going to serve you as well. But um, you're welcome to come forward during this song, and we're going to have communion together. And again, just go ahead and have a seat as soon as you have those elements. Thank you.
on the night that Jesus was betrayed and he would be executed for his passion for God's distributive justice for the world. As a criminal of the state, he gathered with his friends and we have this beautiful story where he took bread and he broke it and he took wine and he blessed it and he called them his body and his blood. And this story that we have, whether it ever happened the way it's described, it happens every time we gather. And the truth of it is born out when we leave this place and we allow these elements to represent a divine truth that empowers us, that enlivens us to what we call a cruciform life, a life where we daily die to ourselves and we rise to a new life filled with love and compassion and justice and inclusion and grace and mercy, what Jesus called the narrow path. So this morning, We gather together in this little space, a little tiny dot on a globe where seven billion people live under the same grace and love of this divine reality. And this is the way that we describe it in our tradition. And so this morning, the body of Christ broken for you and all seven billion people on the planet, take and eat. And the blood of Christ that was shed not at the hands of God, but at the hands of the cruelty of the systems of domination of our world. On a cross that when we look at reminds us first of the great evil that we can do to one another. And only secondly then reminds us of what conquers that evil, love and forgiveness. The blood of Christ shed for you and all seven billion people on this planet. Take and drink. So God, we give you ourselves open our hearts and open our minds every day of our lives to follow your peacemaking path.